Andrew Womack Ministries presents Part 5 in the How to Follow God's Will series, a five-part album. This message is titled, The Wisdom of God in a Mystery. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Praise the Lord. Let's turn over to the book of Ephesians. We've been talking about how to find God's will and then how to follow God's will. And it's really practical stuff. It's simple things. It's not necessarily something that is brand new to people, but most people just haven't sat down and thought about it. Like what I was teaching this morning is letting the peace of God rule in your heart. How you need to just be still and know that He is God. And God is always, always bearing witness in your heart. He doesn't always speak in audible words. But he just bears witness and gives you peace about the direction that he wants you to go. And the sad thing is most of us live such a hurried life that we don't sit and listen and let the Holy Spirit direct us. But it's always there. You have never faced a decision that God hasn't been speaking to you and giving you the direction. But it may not be in an audible voice. It can be just the peace of God. It could be the desires of your heart. And it's amazing how people miss this. So this is what we've been talking about. And what I want to do tonight is share with you some really, really simple things that could help you, again, to follow the Lord. Because once, you know, in my life, once the Lord revealed to me what He wanted me to do, He gave me a goal of where He wanted me to go. But, man, there's a lot of steps. There's a lot of days, a lot of living in between where I was and where God wants me to go. And so how do you follow Him every day? And hear His voice. And this is going to help you not only in the direction of your life and your overall goal, but this will help you in deciding, uh, you know, everything. Like God spoke to Jamie and me and told us we were supposed to be married before we ever held hands. God will tell you who your maid is. God will put you together. And praise God, we've been together for nearly 38 years. And it's supernatural. God put us together. And it's amazing how many people just go out And you lean under your own understanding, pick your own person. You think it's up to you. But God brought Eve to Adam, Ruth to Boaz, Rebecca to Isaac. God will be involved in marriage. God will tell you who to get. There are instructions in the Word of God and the peace of God will lead you. But see, most people just do their own thing and then after you... Get a person who's totally incompatible and it's not good. Then you go to the Lord. No, God, why are you doing this? And he's telling you through me, why did you do it? Why did you not follow my instructions? We go out and we buy houses because we are being influenced by the world and we lust and try and get more than what you can afford. You put yourself under the gun and you're right on the edge. Just, I mean, maxed out. And if there's the slightest little downtick in the economy, if the slightest little thing happens, then you come into financial crisis. And then you go back to God, God, why did you do this to me? And he, if you would have been listening to him, he would have led you to do something so that you could prepare for some of the problems that come into this world. But see, we do our own thing. We lean under our own understanding, but God is speaking to you. And I can guarantee you, if you find yourself in a problem today, if it's physical, financial, emotional, relationships, or whatever, if you would go back... God was speaking to you and God was trying to lead you in a different direction and you just weren't paying attention. So these are real simple things that we're sharing. But I tell you, we need to be reminded of this. And what I want to share with you tonight, I'm going to first of all just give you a real quick 
overview of uh, some things that are in this teaching that I have, spirit, soul, and body. And that's going to lay a foundation for some things I'm going to teach tonight. But I'm going to say this very quickly, but let me just say that this, I've got, um, I don't know, five or six hours worth of teaching on this, a book on it, a study guide. This is a major deal. This is something that God used in my life to just totally change me. And here in Ephesians chapter 1, I want to show you some of these verses. Verse 3, we're already blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Most people think that the blessings of God and everything that has been purchased for us is off in the future in heaven. And yet this says that we are already blessed. How do you reconcile this with what you see? Some of you say, well, I'm not blessed. I'm sick in my body. And yet I know that God has provided healing, but it's not mine yet. God says you're already blessed. It says in 1 Peter 2.24 that by His stripes you were healed. I mean, it's already done. And most people... Just, they have a disconnect. It's like when they see that the Bible says you've already got it, and then they go to the doctor and they think, no, I don't already have it. They just can't reconcile those two. And the reconciliation between it is that God is a spirit, and you are primarily a spirit, and it's in your spirit that you've been changed. God is a spirit. John 4, 24 says God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's your spirit that has the power of God, the healing of God, the joy of God, the faith of God. You've already got all of these things in your spirit. But see, most people, when the Bible says that by his stripes you're healed, they instantly look at their body and they feel, do I have any pain? Oh, I got pain, so I guess I'm not healed. No, you are healed. You've got the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Over in verse 19. Verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 19, Ephesians 1, 19, it says, or let me read verse 18. He's praying that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. He's saying that your eyes would be opened to what you already have. You already have raising from the dead power. And most people immediately go look in the mirror and they think, this is raising from the dead power? And you feel, and you don't feel power, you feel fear, and you feel weak and inadequate. And so they just say, well, the Bible's so hard to understand. But it's your spirit that's got this power in it. Your spirit has all of these things. And notice in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse um, 7, it says, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins." According to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath, that means it's already been done, abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. You've already got all wisdom is what they said. God has already abounded towards you. And most people think, well, I don't have wisdom. I don't have knowledge. I don't know what's going on. But that's because you're searching your little peanut brain. Your physical mind doesn't know everything, but your born-again spirit knows everything. Some of you think, oh, that's not true. If I, if I knew everything, I would, I'd know I know, know everything. No, your brain 
can only perceive physical, natural things. You have to perceive what is going on in the spirit realm by faith through the Word of God. And see, this is where so many people are missing it. They think, oh God, I know that you've got wisdom, you've got power, you've got faith, you've got anointing, you've got healing. Oh God, stretch forth your hand and heal me. But that's the wrong concept. God has already put all of these things on the inside of you. God doesn't need to heal you. He doesn't need to touch you. What you need to do is renew your mind and release and unlock what God has already placed on the inside of you. That's the whole premise behind a teaching that I have entitled, uh, You've Already Got It. Everything that you want. You want healing? You've already got it. You don't need to be healed. You need to believe that you're healed and learn how to release what God has already put on the inside of you. Well, I need wisdom. You don't need wisdom. You've already got it. Now, God understands that we live in this physical world. And so there are scriptures that say, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of all God who gives to man all men liberally and upbraids not and it shall be given him. James chapter one, verse five. And so God, I'm not saying that you don't ask for it, but it's not coming from out there. It's you're drawing it out of you. You already, God has already abounded towards you in all wisdom and in prudence. In chapter five, Ephesians chapter five, in verse 17, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Some people think this is unra- un- unreasonable. God is asking me to want to know what His will is. How do I know God's will? Well, as I've already been telling you, God gives you the desires of your heart. God gives you peace. He's constantly bearing witness. He's already abounded towards you in the spirit realm. Let me just boil it down and say it this way, that in your spirit, your spirit knows everything that you need to know. It's already there. And some of you think, no way. Yes way. 1 John chapter 2 verse 20 says you have an unction. The word unction means a special anointing, an endowment by God. A power from God. You have an unction from God and you know all things. That's what the Bible says. Most people don't let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. Most people, if I was to come to you and, you know, ask you something, well, I don't know. We even write songs about it. Further along, we'll understand why. Further along, we'll know all about it. Cheer up, my brother. You can't understand a blooming thing right now, but someday we'll know all about it. And we sing songs and glorify it and wail and travail about we're just a poor wayfaring pilgrim and we don't have a clue what's going on. And, and we glorify it. And most people have totally embraced this, that you just have to go through life bumping into things like a blind man falling over things. And you just can't really, you can't control your life. You can't expect victory. We just don't know. We can't understand. God's ways are higher than our ways. Glad you brought that verse up. Look over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 at this verse. 
First Corinthians chapter two, I wish I had time to put this in context. If you were to read this and get it in its context, it's even more powerful. But Paul is having to defend his authority because people, he's the one that led these people to the Lord and yet other people had come in and now they started saying, well, I'm of Apollos and another one, I'm of uh, Cephas and another one, I'm of Paul and another one, I'm of Christ. And the body was divided following different people. And Paul is trying to defend his right to speak into these people's lives. And in the first part of this chapter, he's talking about how he came and demonstrated the power of God. He says, you ought to believe me because you saw the power of God. You saw miracles happen. You saw blind eyes open, deaf ears open. Miracles happen. And he's defending his authority. And I'm going to come back to some of these verses, but look down here in verse um, 9. It says, but as it is written, this is quoting an Old Testament scripture, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And see, people will quote a verse like this, and they'll say, well, we just don't understand the things of God. His ways are above our ways. We can't know God. We, we just can't understand. And they stop right there. And Paul is saying that your natural man, your little peanut brain, you in your physical, natural ability, apart from the inspiration and the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you don't understand God. You can't understand God. You can't know His ways. You cannot figure God out on your own. Amen. I agree with that. But look at the next verse. It says, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. He's not saying you can't know God and you can't understand and you can't perceive the ways of God. Because the next verse, see people just conveniently stop there because this is what they want to believe. It gives us an excuse for going through life and saying, well, you know, nobody knows that they're doing what God wants them to do. We just do the best we can and ask God to bless it. And that's a convenient theology. You don't have to seek God. You don't have to make any decisions. You don't have to take any responsibility. Just bump, follow, you know, fall through life and whatever comes, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Let fate take its place and you just go in march step with everybody else right over the cliff to a wasted life and you don't have to have any responsibility for yourself. So it's a convenient theology and religion will preach this big time today. But it says, but God has revealed these things unto us by His Spirit. This isn't saying you can't know. It's just saying in yourself, by yourself, without the inspiration of God, you can't know His will. But in your spirit, man, you know all things. Again, I refer to 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. But it's by the Spirit. It's in the Spirit, man, that you have this wisdom and knowledge. You can prove that your little peanut brain doesn't know all things by taking a test. And I guarantee you, most of us would fail it. We don't know all things with our mind. Some of you can't even find your glasses when they're on top of your head. You forget all kinds of things. Yes, with our mind, we don't know everything. But you have a mind in your spirit. Your born-again spirit has been infused with the knowledge of God. That's what this is talking about. By the Spirit, you can know these things. So in verse 10, by, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. 
For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. In other words, it's wrong to say, well, God's ways are higher than our ways. And we can't understand. It's unsearchable. We, I hath not seen nor ear heard. We can't know God. It's wrong to say that. It's a true statement if you say that that's the way it is without God inspiring us. But just to say it point blank and put a period there and not say, but God hath revealed them unto us, that's a wrong statement. You'll find a lot of statements in the Old Testament were accurate at that time. But in the New Testament, Jesus has totally changed everything. And it's wrong for us to say and have some of the attitudes that were existing in the Old Testament because Jesus changed everything. And when you got born again, you now have a born again spirit that was recreated in His likeness and in His image. We have received that spirit and we can now freely know the things of God. I'm trying to say that going through life without knowing God's will, it may be normal according to the pulse of most people that you take, but it is abnormal according to what God's will for you is. God wants you to know. He even gave you that command in Ephesians 5:17. Don't be ignorant, but understanding what the will of God is. And I know some of you think I'm trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be blunt. If you don't know God's will, you're ignorant. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Don't be ignorant. Understand what the will of God is. Man, this is baby stuff. We ought to know God's will for our life. He wants you to know. So I'm trying to show you that when you got born again, God gave you a supernatural revelation, but it's in the spirit realm. It's not going to come external. You aren't going to hear an audible voice. You aren't going to have somebody come up and talk to you. You aren't necessarily going to be able to read it in a book. But you in your born again spirit have a homing device, a GPS system that will tell you where to go and what turn to make. But you have to be still and listen to it and cultivate it. And you've got to believe that it is not out there somewhere. It's on the inside of you. God has already given you this. There's an Old Testament scripture in Psalms chapter 32 that prophesied the new covenant that we live in. David wrote that. And it's quoted in Romans chapter 4 and other places in the New Testament. And it says, Don't be as a horse or a mule whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle. This is Old Testament language and it's kind of poetic language. But what it's meaning is, don't be like an animal that doesn't have the Spirit of God on the inside and you have to put a bit in their mouth and hurt them to turn them and make them go in the direction that you want them to go. But instead, you will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk thou in it. Just the still, small voice of God. Sad to say, most of us are living like an animal that we let circumstances dictate us. I have people all the time that come up and say, Well, I put a fleece out and I ask God if He wants me to do something. If He wants me to come to Bible college, sell my house, do this, do this. And there's most people trying to discern God's will by circumstances. And if your house sells, and if God gives you a job, and if this happens, and if you see three cats and two dogs walking in lockstep, well, then that's a confirmation to you that God told you to do something. That is a terrible, terrible, terrible way to discern the will of God. Man, if I went by circumstances, I wouldn't be here tonight. 
We've overcome a lot of things. I guarantee you, we've gone against the flow. To find God's will, you got to swim upstream. An old dead fish can float downstream. You got to go upstream. You got to go against circumstances. You need to hear the voice of God and not let circumstances dictate to you. As a matter of fact, in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, you find that uh, Paul saw a vision. And in this vision, a man said, come over into Macedonia and help us. And so he woke up in the morning knowing that God sent him to Macedonia. So he went to Macedonia, into Philippi, and within a day or two, he was beaten and in the stocks in the lowest part of the dungeon. Most of us would say, well, it must not have been God. It didn't work out. No, really, if you take scripture and look at the people who obeyed God, if everything is going good, it's probably because you hadn't found God's will. When you find God's will, there's going to be persecution. Satan's going to come against you. If you never bump into the devil, it's because you're both headed the same direction. You turn around and start going against the flow and there's going to be opposition. So this thing of thinking, well, if God wants me to do it, everything will just fall into place. That is not a godly way of discerning God's will. You have a spirit on the inside of you. That spirit man knows all things. And you need to learn how to listen to the voice of God and do it if it hair lips every devil in hell. If it goes against everything and everybody else, you go with what God says. This is what sets true Christianity apart from religion. We don't have just rules and regulations. We don't have to go to somebody with their collar turned around backwards to tell you what God is saying to you. You can go and hear God yourself. God can speak to you. God will show you. Every one of you. Not just the super saints. If you're the sorriest Christian in this auditorium tonight, God is speaking to you constantly. He's not, it's not a lack of Him speaking, it's a lack of you listening. I'm trying to get across to you that every one of you in your spirit, you have the mind of Christ. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, or let me jump down to verse 14. It says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man is talking about your physical body, the part of me that you see, your mental, emotional part, your soulish realm. Your natural man does not understand the things of God. It can't perceive the things of God. It's foolishness to them. Well, that is a profound statement. And I can't tell you how many Christians are trying to figure God out with their little peanut brain. And they're looking for physical things like fleeces. They're wanting this to happen and that to happen. And they're trying to perceive God in the natural realm. You know, we've got a natural body and God created it and it's good. There's nothing wrong with it. But brothers and sisters, you are more than a hunk of chemicals. You are more than an animal. You are not an evolved animal that you just go by physical stimuli and what you feel. There is a spirit on the inside of you that's eternal. It'll never die. It'll be alive a million years from now. There is a spirit man that has capabilities that are a million times greater than your physical body. You can know things by your heart that you can't know in the physical. Man, I could get plumb off the subject right here, but I'm thinking right now about how God has shown me some things. When I went and saw the show, The Passion of the Christ, 
So many people just were overwhelmed. They had an epiphany and I heard all these great reports. So I went to see it, prepared to be totally blessed. And I was blessed to a degree. But you know what? I was actually disappointed. Because what I saw through the Word of God by the Spirit was so much more graphic, so much more real than what you could portray on a camera. You can see better with your heart than you can see with your eyes. You can know things. I've been praying for people and I have spoken to people and told them things that I've never seen these people before. I don't know anything about them. And yet I've said things to them that they said, that's right. How did you know this? It's the Holy Spirit. I've called people's names out before that I've never seen and told them their name. Jesus did that. Come down, Zacchaeus, for I'll go to your house today. If you are operating out of your brain only, now you have to use your brain to drive and to do things. I'm not saying you turn it off. But I'm saying if you are limited to your brain, forgive me for being blunt, but you are ignorant. You aren't using, you aren't using the full deck. You aren't playing with the full deck. God made you to operate out of your spirit, man. Your spirit is a part that's changed. Your spirit is a part of you that is now like Christ. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, speaking of Jesus, so are we in this world. It didn't say so are we going to be in the next world. Your physical body is going to change in the next world. Your mind is going to be renewed in the next world. But so are we in this world. How can you understand that? That's not true of your physical body. It's not true of your soul. But it is true of your spirit. Your spirit is identical to Jesus right now. It's the same as it's going to be a million years from now. And according to 1 John 2.20, you know all things. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 says, Put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Your new man, the spirit part of you, is renewed in knowledge. You know everything in your spirit. Every question that you have, your spirit knows the answer to it. Every wisdom that you need, you've already got it in your spirit. He's already abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. And if you just keep reading right here in verse 15, it says, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We aren't going to have the mind of Christ. We have, present tense, the mind of Christ. And again, people go look at their last test score and they say, I don't have the mind of Christ. It's not talking about up here in your brain. In your spirit, you have the mind of Christ. You have the same knowledge that Jesus has. Everything that Jesus knows, your born again spirit knows. Man, I don't know if that helps you. When the Lord first showed me these things, I was overwhelmed. Like, God, this can't be so. But I kept studying and it's just there in the Word of God. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Your new man has been in, renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created him. Don't be ignorant, but understanding the will of the Lord because God has given you that ability. You can do it. I finally saw that it's there and then I started saying, God, how do I get this out? If I've got this knowledge on the inside, I mean, how do I get it out? And 
God showed me a lot of things. I just want to show you one thing tonight. One thing that will help you follow God's will and unlock this knowledge that's on the inside of you tremendously. So right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's go back up to the first part of this chapter where Paul is talking about how he came to him and ministered to him. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 1 it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Boy, that's powerful. I'm not going to preach on that, but that is really powerful. This is talking about grace, not law, not performance, but rather talking about Jesus accomplished it for us. And in verse 3, and he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Man, that is a powerful statement. You know, this is opposite what most of the preaching in the body of Christ is today. Most of the preaching in the body of Christ is smoke and mirrors. It's, um, it's intellectual. It's entertaining. But it's not demonstration of the spirit and of power. You know, Paul, again, is defending his authority and saying, you guys need to listen to me because he says, you could have 10,000 instructors, but you've only got one father. I'm the one that God used to get you birthed into the kingdom. I've got a right to speak into your life. And he spent the first four chapters defending his authority and stuff. And finally, over in the fourth chapter, I'm coming back to chapter two, but in the fourth chapter, he says over in verse 18, now some of you are puffed up talking about operating in pride as though I would not come to you but I will come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know not the speech of them that are puffed up but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. You know basically what he's doing after giving all of these arguments, he just basically says, all right, here's the way we're going to do this. When I come to you, it's not going to be the people that can talk and have an argument and you say this and that. We're going to look at the power that's in your life. If you can't see a person healed, if you're walking in defeat yourself, if you're sick, if you're diseased, if you're poor, if the word isn't working for you, if you don't have any power in your life, then shut, sit down and shut up. Only the people that have demonstration of the power of God are going to be allowed to speak. Boy, if we did that in the body of Christ today... There'd be a lot of empty pulpits. There's a lot of people that can preach and they sound good, but they don't have any demonstration in their life. There's no power in their life. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16, verse 20, that Jesus went with them and worked with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders following. If a person doesn't have demonstration of signs and wonders and people say, well, People are being blessed and lives are being changed. And yes, that's a great truth and that's a part of it. But I'm telling you, the Bible says, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father, John 14, 12. And so, yes, changing a life is important. But you know what? People ought to be able to see the dead raised, the blind eyes open, deaf ears open. They ought to be able to see people delivered of demonic things. There should be prosperity and other things working. And if we judge ministers today the way the Word says to judge them, and if there isn't any power in you, then you can't speak. You don't have a right to speak. That would solve a lot of our problems. And some of our biggest churches would be closed. 
Because all they are is entertainment. Amen. Or oh me. So this is what Paul's talking about over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And the reason he did it this way, so that it wasn't his great words and his oratory that changed people. The, the reason he did it this way, verse 4 says, that your fa- or excuse me, verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. So that you wouldn't give glory to people, but you'd recognize, man, this is God. Maybe the person speaks great, but you know what? This person, blind eyes open. That wasn't his talking that did that. That's the power of God. And God gets the credit instead of just somebody who's got fancy vocabulary. In verse 6, it says, How be it, after he said all of these things, he's trying to say now that I'm not against wisdom. And I'm not against somebody who speaks wisdom. Christianity is not ignorant. You know, Pentecostals have been criticized for a long time that they're just ignorant, unlearned people and that people don't know anything. No, there is great wisdom in the Word of God, but it's not the wisdom of this world. It's counter to the wisdom of this world. Like in the area of finances, people in the world will tell you that in a recession, stop. We had a Barna survey that David gave me and and when the recession hit... Barna did a survey, and I forget the figures right now, but it was a huge segment of the body of Christ quit giving or decreased their giving to try and deal with the recession. And you know what? To the natural mind, to a carnal person, to the natural man who can't understand spiritual things, well, then that's the way you do it. If you're going to have a hardship, you've got to decrease. You've got to tighten your belt. You've got to cut back. But man, that's the worst thing that you could have possibly done. From a spiritual perception, man, when you are in need, you need to sow greater than you've ever sown. Giving is the way that you increase. And to a person who's not spiritual, that just doesn't make sense. But to a spiritual person, it makes perfect sense. It's wisdom. It's just not the wisdom of this world. It's a different type of wisdom. So Paul now, he's been saying that he didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom or all of these things. But he says in verse 6, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That's talking about those that are complete or mature in the Lord. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He's saying we're using wisdom. It's just not natural, physical wisdom. It's counter to the carnal, intuitive wisdom that people have. This is the wisdom that comes from God. And he says to prove it, he says... You know, natural, carnal man, he goes on to say in verse 14, cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. The Lord prophesied 14 times that he would be crucified or dead. Uh, About seven of those times he mentioned crucifixion. But he prophesied that he would be killed and the third day rise again. He said it. It came out of his mouth in words. And yet the devil is so spiritually dead that he went ahead and crucified Jesus and played right into the hands of God and did exactly what God planned. And the Lord told him what he was going to do. But you know what? The devil is so dense that he just couldn't conceive. How could him being crucified not fit my plans? How could this be the way that God has of him redeeming the human race? 
A natural person, and Satan is a spirit being, but he's carnal. He doesn't have the spiritual wisdom that you and I have access to. Satan is just stupid. He really is. He's stupid. He doesn't understand things. Anybody who fights against God is stupid. <laughs> Satan just really, he, he plays into God's hand. He, he overdoes things. And people who are under the inspiration of the devil, all natural people who haven't been regenerated and haven't tapped into the wisdom of God are just stupid. Forgive me for being blunt. And you know what? I know that a lot of people have criticized me and thought, well, how could you say such a thing? The Bible says in uh, Psalms chapter 53, 1, and I believe it's 14, 1, twice in the Psalms, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Anybody who doesn't understand that there is a God is a fool. Was that too subtle? <laughs> and I know some of you think, well, you bigoted Christian." I'm just saying that, man, the heavens declare the glory of God. Psalms 19, 1, the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day, utter speech. Night unto night shows knowledge. Creation is shouting at us constantly. Everything around us is absolutely miraculous. Did you know I read a quotation by Charles Darwin in his Origin of the Species? And as he discussed the human eye, he says, surely there has to be a God. It cannot evolve. The human eye is so complex with something like 30,000 impulses that have to be interpreted by your brain and stuff. It says, Charles Darwin, it's impossible that the human eye evolved. And yet there are people today who are supposed to be smart, have degrees after their name. You could have 32 degrees and still be frozen. And any person who can't see God is a fool. I don't care how many degrees you got after your name. And I know that that's offensive to some people. I don't hate them. I'm not mad at them. I love them. But I'm telling you that that is the wisdom of this world and it comes to naught. The wisdom of God is superior to the wisdom of the world. And there's a lot of people that wouldn't say that outside of a Christian setting. But it's the truth. And you know, this is how I, this is how I translate and interpret what's going on in our world. We have people running our country and running our cities and doing things that don't know God and they just don't understand. They don't have spiritual perception. They are playing right, they are sitting here and encouraging immorality and stuff and wondering why things are going the way that they are. I was talking to somebody this week, I forgot where it was, but they were talking about, it was one of these pastors that was at our golf tournament and their city, I forgot what city it was, it's in the Atlanta area, has put a moratorium on new churches. They don't want new churches because they don't get tax revenue from it. So they are discouraging and you have to have a minimum of five acres and all of these other hurdles and stuff. And did you know what? Some people that aren't spiritual will sit there and think, well, I understand that, man. They need the tax revenue. What you don't understand is that if a church is there and if it's a godly church, not all churches are godly, but if it's a godly church, your... Um, 
thievery is going to go down. Your vandalism will go down. The quality of life will go up. People won't be as sick. You won't have to put out as much money on welfare and on and on and on. And you get 10 times whatever you'd get off of the tax revenues. But a natural man can't see that. They're just going to look at these physical, natural things and not be able to see the intangibles. And the wisdom of this world is just foolishness with God. But see, we have the mind of Christ. And so this is what Paul is saying. We speak wisdom, but the princes of this world didn't know it. They played right into the hands of God. They thought that killing Jesus would solve things. It was killing Jesus that redeemed us and caused our salvation to come. The natural man, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. In your spirit, you have a supernatural, God-ordained wisdom that if you could tap it, you would begin to see and understand things that you right now are, are foreign to you. You know, when this recession came up, one of the very first things I did was start coming out and saying, God supplies my need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm not limited to this world economy. And we started saying things and doing things. And did you know in the first six months after the recession hit, October 2008, did you know Jamie and I's stock uh, money that we have in the stock market went up 61% while the stock market went down 51%. Some people think you can't do that. We did it. We can show it to you. It's on paper. You can't do that. Yeah, you can if you believe that God is your source instead of this natural world. And you know what? We've been believing God and every month since October 2008, our income has exceeded the previous, uh, you know, January, February, March, whatever, whatever month that is. Our income has gone up and we have increased dramatically. I think our increase was something like 28 or 38 percent this last year during a recession. Well, that's not the wisdom of the world. That's the reason it's working the way it is. It's because I'm not using the wisdom of the world and I'm not shooting myself in the foot by saying, you know, there was ministries in Colorado Springs. We have like 150 or 200 parachurch ministries in Colorado Springs. And most of them, when the recession hit and they started talking about this, did you know most of the ministries prepared for a 15, 20% decrease Decreased their budget, quit their outreaches, quit ministering the gospel because they were anticipating financial problems. Man, this is when the ministries ought to be stepping up to the plate. We ought to increase. This is when people were all of a sudden saying that, man, something's going wrong. And, and during places of insecurity is when they turn to the Lord. Churches and ministries should have been increasing their outreach instead of decreasing it. But they used the wisdom of the world. They made plans for a decrease. And guess what? Everyone that I'm aware of that planned on a decrease, decreased. And then they wonder why it happened. Because they're using the wisdom of this world. There are some of you that started talking fear and about, oh man, my job's in jeopardy. I wonder. And then you wonder why you get laid off. You wonder why things are happening because you're following the wisdom of this world. Some of you talked about, oh man, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard for us to make it through this recession. And guess what? It's been hard for you to make it. I know some of you think, well, you just don't understand. I'm saying you don't understand, amen. 
I'm saying that there is a wisdom that trumps natural wisdom. This is what Paul is talking about. And in verse 7, he says, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. It's not hidden from you, it's hidden for you. It's hidden from the natural mind. You've got to get into the Word. You've got to begin to renew your mind and you've got to tap what's in your spirit to be able to get this. It's wisdom, but it's in a mystery. It's hidden. Now hold your finger there and look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is the same author, Paul, speaking. It's the same book. Remember that men are the ones that put the chapter and verse divisions in there to help you identify or find things, but it's not a separate thought. This is the same letter. It's the same thought. It's the same person using the same terminology. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Paul said over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, I think it is, he says, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. And then he says in the same book, when you are speaking in tongues, you are speaking mysteries. You know where Paul got this wisdom from? He got it when he got born again. God put that supernatural wisdom on the inside of him. He had the mind of Christ. He was renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. He had an unction from the Holy One and he knew all things. How did he get it out? He spoke in tongues. And God, when you speak in tongues, it goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, it says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. When you are speaking in tongues, it's your spirit praying. The part of you that knows all things, the part of you that's renewed in knowledge, the part of you that has the mind of Christ, the part of you that doesn't have any questions or, or problems, your spirit is praying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And what is it praying? It's praying the hidden wisdom of God in a mystery. So when you come up against something that you don't know what to do, you know one of the most important things you can do is pray in tongues. Because your born again spirit that has the mind of Christ, that knows all things, is praying your answer. It's praying the wisdom that you need. It's giving you the instruction that you need. But it says here in verse 14, 14, 14, it says, If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, you don't know what you're saying. So how do you figure it out? If you go up one verse, verse 13, Wherefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Did you know you can interpret your speaking in tongues? Now, most people say, well, yeah, I understand in a church service, if somebody stands up and speaks in tongues, then they have to be quiet and somebody else interprets and they understand that. But you know what? This isn't limited to the church service. You can interpret your tongue. You're speaking the hidden wisdom of God. It's not gibberish. It's not foolishness. 
When you are praying, your spirit is a part of you that is exactly like God, has the wisdom of God, knows all things. And when you are speaking in tongues, that wisdom is coming right out of your mouth, but it's coming in a language that you don't understand. But that doesn't mean that you can't comprehend it. It just means that you have to get it interpreted. You have to ask God to reveal to you this wisdom that you're speaking. But when you start speaking in tongues, it's just like flipping a switch. And you turn on this dynamo and the life and the wisdom of God that's on the inside starts coming out your mouth. And all you have to do is pray, Father, give me wisdom about... I know that my spirit, I know these things. But I need to get it out of my spirit and into my brain. I need to understand what's happening. And you just ask God to interpret it to you. Now, if you're in a church service and if you speak in tongues, you've got to stop speaking in tongues and start speaking in English to interpret it. Or somebody else has to speak in English. There's requirements on that, uh, instructions about how to do it in the church. But when you're by yourself, down here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, Paul said, I thank God, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Not more than any one individual, but more than all of you put together. Paul said he spoke in tongues more than anybody. But then he said, but in the church, verse 19, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding than by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Paul spoke in tongues more than the entire church put together, but it wasn't in church that he did it. He spoke in tongues privately is what he's saying. Paul spoke in tongues more than all of them all put together. But he did it privately. And so speaking in tongues isn't just for the purpose of prophecy and ministering to other people. There is a church, a a gift of tongues that operates in the church. And not everybody has that gift. That's what it's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when it says, Do all speak with tongues? The obvious answer is no. But that's talking about a gift that functions in the church where you have a ministry of speaking in tongues and a ministry of interpretation. Not everybody has that. But every born-again believer, spirit-filled believer, can speak in tongues. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 says, These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall speak in tongues. Every believer can speak in tongues, but not every believer is going to have a ministry of speaking in tongues in the church. And so Paul said, I'm speaking in tongues more than y'all. But it wasn't in the church. He made it very clear. It was privately. And he said that if you pray in tongues, pray also that you interpret. And you know, I started doing this. I actually stumbled into this accidentally that when I first got really turned on to the Lord, I heard people talk about that it's in your spirit that you have this life of God that's speaking in tongues. It goes on to say here in verse 1 Corinthians 14, 4, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. The word edify means to promote spiritual growth, to build up spiritually. Well, I wanted to grow and be built up, and so I decided I was going to pray in tongues. It also says in Isaiah chapter 28 that this is the rest and this is the refreshing wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And he says by speaking in tongues. And so, you know... When a person gets under this uh, pressure and they're just feeling pressure and they're discouraged, 
I have people come to me all the time and they, in a sense, justify feeling that way. You just don't understand the pressure I'm under at work. You don't understand my family. You don't understand Atlanta traffic. You don't understand this. You don't. And they always have an excuse for the way they are. But if you are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, there's no excuse for not being refreshed. Because speaking in tongues will refresh you and it will give you rest. Man, if you aren't just refreshed and enjoying it, well, then you aren't using what you've got. You've got the power to be able to be cool regardless of what's going on. Just speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is not something you do just one time in church to prove that you got it. It's something that you ought to be doing on a regular basis. It's your spirit man is praying. And your spirit man is where your life is. It's where your new life, it's where the power of God is. And when you speak in tongues, did you know you're... If you are controlled by your physical mind, if you're operating only as a natural man, did you know your natural man does not understand speaking in tongues? It's foolishness is what it goes on to say here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It's foolishness. And for you to speak in tongues more than just one phrase, one word, for you to speak in tongues 30 minutes or an hour at a time, I can tell you what's going to happen. Your mind is going to say, this is silly. This is foolish. What am I doing? You will have doubt and fear and your natural man, your carnal person will try and rise up and get you back into the natural where you feel comfortable. And if you just say, no, I will speak in tongues because if I speak in tongues, I edify myself. I promote spiritual growth and you just do it by faith. If you do that, you will have to cross this barrier to where you get out of carnal thinking and your mind starts getting focused on God and thinking on God or you'll quit. It's impossible for you to pray in tongues over a long period of time and keep your mind on carnal, ungodly things. If you do keep your mind on carnal things, you'll quit being spiritual. But if you just persist and say, no, I will speak in tongues, it will force you to start thinking about God. So with this understanding... When I first got really turned on to the Lord and started speaking in tongues, I would pray in tongues one to three, four, five hours a day. I just, I'd walk and pray in tongues as a discipline trying to force myself to think on the Lord. And it was good. And it's beneficial for that. But as I was praying in tongues, you got to do something with your mind. You know, some of you haven't prayed in tongues enough that you even understand what I'm talking about because all you ever do is in a church service just one phrase or something and you let it out and you don't do it. But if you pray in tongues for 30 minutes, you got to do something with your brain. It's not your brain praying. It's your spirit praying. And you can't just turn your mind off. Your mind is going to think about something. And while you're praying in tongues, your mind will wander and you'll start thinking of things. And so with my mind, I started praying with my mind as I prayed with my spirit so that I just have my thoughts focused on God. And here's what I experienced, that as I did this, I would just start having things come to me. I would I'd think of people that I hadn't thought of in years. And all of a sudden they'd come to me. And I'd, so I'd start praying for them with my mind as I was praying in tongues out of my mouth. You know, one of the things about speaking in tongues is it's your spirit praying, not your brain. And you can sit down and read the Bible praying in tongues and perfectly comprehend what you're reading. 
You can't do that quoting Mary had a little lamb. You can't sit there and quote Mary had a little lamb and at the same time read the Bible and have any comprehension. Because you're quoting out of your mind and you're trying to read and understand with your mind. But when you're praying with your tongues, it's your spirit that's praying, not your brain. And you can do something with your mind and have total comprehension. That's one of the things that shows you that it's supernatural and it's not just you making up words because it's not coming out of your brain. It's coming out of your spirit, man. It's your spirit that prays. So as I prayed in tongues, I would pray with my understanding and I would start having people come to mind that I hadn't thought of. I'd pray for them and I'd have thoughts about them and I'd start seeing that, man, this person is in trouble. This person needs help. And I didn't connect the two at first, but what I'd do... I would go call that person and I'd talk to them and man, they'd say, it's, a, it's God that you called. Right now, I was doing this or I was doing that. This one person, a friend of mine, God just put them on my mind and I was praying in tongues and I felt like calling them. And I called this person and I said, Joanne. And when she heard who it was, she hung up. And I thought, well, that went really good. And I was trying to figure out what happened. Anyway, within just a few minutes, she called back and she says... We've, we've, uh, her husband had just gotten out of the ministry. Terrible things had happened. They had lost their home. She was living with her mother, 50, nearly 60 years old, living with her mother. And she says, our whole life has come unraveled. We've traveled the world helping other people. And I was just sitting here praying and saying, God, if there is a God, a person who had been in ministry for 40 years saying, if there is a God, why don't you have somebody call us? says, I know that we are left our house. I'm with my mother. But you're God. You could have somebody call. You could do it. If you're really God, if you love us, why don't you have somebody call? And I go ring and says, this is Andrew. <laughs> and she was so shocked she hung up. But then she called back. And I was able to minister to her. And she says, this is God. You know how that happened? I was praying in tongues and as I prayed in tongues, God began to start speaking things and revealing things to me that you can't know with your physical mind. Jamie and I felt led one time on the way to Colorado Springs before we lived in Colorado Springs to stop in Kim, Colorado, a little town of a hundred people in the middle of no place. And we stopped to see these people who had been friends of ours, but we hadn't had contact with them for over a decade. They thought that we were crazy. They tried to turn us out of the ministry and told us everything bad. And there was a rift between us. But we stopped in to see them. There's only 100 people in the town. So we just asked where the pastor of this little Baptist church lived. And so they, they told us. We went over and knocked on the door. Joseph comes to the door and when he saw me, he just all the blood drained out of his face. And he just got white and didn't say a word. And I said, hi, Joseph. I said, can we come in? And he just stepped aside and let us walk in. And so we walked in and Shirley's kneeling around the table. She was kneeling and praying. And she looked up and she turned white. And I said, hi. I said, could we sit down? And they never said a word. And we sat down and I said, is it okay? And it says, do you know what we're doing? It says, we just resigned our Baptist church yesterday. And our whole life is just, everything we've done is destroyed. And says, here we are in the middle of nowhere in Kim, Colorado. And we were saying, God, you're God. You could send somebody even to Kim, Colorado. We'll take anybody, anybody. 
if you're God, send somebody. And while they were praying, a knock comes on the door and they see us and we were the last people they would have let in. But you know what? God put us together supernaturally and we became great friends again. And, and, um, it was just awesome. God restored them, got them back in ministry. And you know how things like this happen? You pray in tongues and as you're praying in tongues, God starts speaking things to you. And I began to start realizing that it wasn't me praying in tongues and then stopping and interpreting in English. But as I prayed in tongues, I just found out that my understanding would start being fruitful. I would start getting revelation. I'd start seeing things and thinking things. And I kind of just stumbled into this accidentally. But I began to start seeing a pattern. It happened over and over and over. One time, you know, when I first started speaking in tongues, for about the first two years that I spoke in tongues, I had doubts that it was really God because I'd been a Baptist and I'd been told that the devil will give you a demon tongue. And even though I knew it was, even though I knew it was of God, I still would have these thoughts come and I wasn't totally confident. And there was a bunch of things happening. Just one of them was I was praying about two hours one morning and I was fighting these thoughts, thinking about, man, is this really God? Is this the Holy Spirit or is it just me making this stuff up? And I prayed for two hours and then a knock came on the door. And it was a man that I hadn't seen in four years. Hadn't even thought of him. And he was crying and he didn't even say hi. He just walked in and sat down and I mean just started blurting out all of his problems. And back when I knew him, I was still a Baptist. He didn't know that I'd received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He didn't know any of these things. He just walked in and sat down and he started telling me. And my first thought was, oh, wow, man, here's a guy that needs help. And I've been sitting here speaking in tongues for two hours when I could have been doing something really spiritual or something. But then my next thought was, how would I have known to pray for this guy? I hadn't seen him in four years. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, that's who you've been praying for. And all of a sudden I knew this guy's problems. I stopped him in mid-sentence and I said, let me tell you what's going on. And I told him what was wrong and I told him what was happening. And this guy just was shocked. He knew that this wasn't me. It was God reading his mail. And I mean, boom, like that, he got delivered and set free. And it was one of the confirmations that, you know what, this wasn't just me. It was the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit interpreted it to me. And I had a lot of things like that happen. But see, when you pray in tongues, your spirit is praying, but you've got to get your understanding fruitful. You don't have to stop and interpret in English and give a word-for-word interpretation. You just have to be inspired in your thoughts. And since that time, I have used this hundreds or thousands of times. When I don't know what to do, I'll just start praying in tongues and say, Father, I thank you that I have the Spirit of God on the inside. I have the mind of Christ. I have an unction from the Holy One and I know all things. I'm renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created me. And when I speak in tongues, that Spirit part of me is praying, the part that knows everything. And so I pray in tongues and then I pray 1 Corinthians 14, 13. I'm praying now that I'll interpret. Father, just give me wisdom. Show me what I need to know. I know that it's in my spirit. I'm praying it out. Now I interpret it. And I do this and God supernaturally gives me revelation. Now that's subjective. Some of you may think, well, I wonder if it's God. If I had time, I could give you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories where I've done this and it's proven out to be God. You're just too late 
to convince me that this doesn't work because it's already working. I gave this testimony, I think it was this morning or last night, about our building and how we tried to get a loan for nine months to finish this $3.2 million project and it didn't work. And finally, when I thought that they were going to have to renew it and we were going to start over, I said that I started praying. You know what I did? I prayed during the day while I was at the office. I had things that I had to do. But then when I went home, I built a trail on my property. It's a three-mile round-trip trail. And I built it and I walked that trail and prayed. And what I did... I started walking that trail and I said, Father, I know that my spirit man knows what to do. I'm going to pray in tongues and I'm praying that I'll interpret. And I've got a rock that's got a flat face on it like that. It's just, it's sheer like it's been polished or something. And I painted it and I put on that rock and I said, if you don't, I will. Talking about, you know, if you don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. And so I wrote it on that rock. And every time I walk down this trail, I go, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And before I got to that rock, which is one-eighth of a mile down this trail, it only took about five minutes. It couldn't have been over ten minutes maximum. Before I reached that rock, I was saying, I was speaking in tongues and saying, Father, interpret to me. And boom, all of a sudden, a prophecy came back to mind about you don't need a bank. You've got your own bank. Your partners are your bank. And God started speaking to me about how he was going to pay. And I mean, within five minutes. Praying in tongues, all of a sudden I had thoughts that came to me that hadn't come to me for a year. And it just solved my problem. And I dealt with it. And because of it, we got this building done. And now it's paid for. And because of it, we ha- that building's worth $12, 15000000 million. And we've got about $2 million that we owe against it. The original loan. But all of the renovation was done. All of the other things. We are in such a healthy place. And you know how that happened? I praying in tongues and God giving me wisdom of a better way to do it. And I asked for an interpretation and it came to pass. There are some of you that are in a situation where you have needs. And what you do is, oh God, help me. And then you're waiting on an audible voice or a donkey to walk up and tell you something. But you know what? In your spirit, you've got the mind of Christ. And all you have to do is start praying in tongues and your, your spirit will pray and intercede for you and, and pray exactly what you need to know. And all you got to do is, is say, Father, give me understanding. And you know, there are times that I get really busy and involved with the ministry. I don't go out and get into sin and things like that, but I can get occupied with the ministry so that when I'm in a situation and I need instruction, it may take me 30 minutes of praying in tongues to get my mind to where it'll really center on God and it's not fluctuating and doing things. Sometimes I, I just live there and so I can pray in tongues and in a minute or two get uh, my mind stayed on God. But for you, it, you may have to start doing this and it may not happen within the first five minutes for you. It may take a period of time. You may have to sit there and for, like I said, for two years, get to where you do this so much that eventually you get it confirmed to you that you don't have any more doubt. And it may take a period of time for you to get your mind renewed and into faith to where you can truly stay upon God. But this principle is true that in your spirit, you've got the hidden wisdom of God. And all you've got to do is pray in tongues and ask God for an interpretation. And personally, I believe that this is how Paul got his revelation. Paul talked about in Galatians, he says when he got converted, he didn't go back to Jerusalem. He didn't meet any of the apostles. 
He wasn't taught this by man, but he got it by direct revelation. He went into the desert and spent three and a half years in the desert. What do you think Paul was doing? I can tell you a large part of it was he was praying in tongues. He already had the Bible basically memorized. The Jews memorized the first five books of the Bible. He knew the Bible, the Old Testament scriptures inside and out. He had the knowledge in him, but he needed to understand it. And he prayed in tongues. He was praying the hidden wisdom of God. And he says, the message that I'm preaching to you is the hidden wisdom of God in a mystery. And he prayed and God gave him a revelation of the grace of God that today is still impacting lives. It changed my life. It's changing people's lives today. The apostle Peter wrote over, I believe it's in 1 Peter chapter 5. It's either 1 Peter 5 or 2 Peter chapter 3. But he says, our beloved brother Paul speaks of these things in which some of his sayings are hard to be understood, which those that are unlearned and unstable, those that are carnal, don't have spiritual understanding, rest as they do the other scriptures. Peter called Paul's writing scriptures, and he says they're hard to be understood. Peter is a guy who lived with Jesus for three and a half years. He was with him 24 hours a day for three and a half years, and Peter didn't understand the grace of God. Paul rebuked Peter openly. Paul had a greater revelation of the grace of God and of the true nature of Jesus than people that lived with him because he got it by the Spirit. You can know things by the Spirit better than you can know by sight, than by feel, by touch, by your carnal mind. And the disciples depended upon these physical, natural things. Paul, the person who wrote half of the New Testament, had the greatest revelation of God was a person that never saw him in the flesh. He saw him in a vision on the road to Damascus. But the person who didn't know him carnally with their physical mind had the greater revelation of Jesus. How did he get it? By his own confession. It came in a mystery, in the hidden wisdom that is what he said he was doing when he prayed in tongues. And I'm taking a little bit of liberty by saying that that's how he got it. I'm, there may be other things, but I believe that speaking in tongues and God just giving him wisdom was a large part of that. And this man wrote half of the New Testament scriptures, turned the world right side up, is still impacting my life and your life today because he spoke in tongues and drew out that. And brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, we are supernatural. When you get born again, you're a new creature. You have power on the inside of you. I've talked to so many people this week who came up and they were just pathetic. And I don't mean this bad, but it's like, could you please help? I can't do anything. The doctors have given up. And I understand where they're coming from, but they don't understand that they're born again. They've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of them, and yet they feel helpless Man, we're the ones with all the power and authority. Cancer hadn't got a chance compared to you if you knew who you were and if you knew how to release it. And yet so many Christians just feel like there's nothing I can do. You don't know who you are. You haven't been praying in tongues. You haven't been getting an interpretation. It hasn't changed the way that you think. When you begin to understand this and you, you come up against a problem, all you got to do is just say, Father, thank you that my spirit man knows all things and turn on the switch, start praying in tongues and believe for God to make your understanding fruitful. And I guarantee God will show you things. 
And you know, lots of times when I pray in tongues, I don't get anything at that moment. But then when I'm at a meeting like this, here we are praying for people and all of a sudden the Lord starts showing me things and starts giving me words of knowledge. And I start calling out healings. Those of you that leave, you know, after we call people forward, we stay here and we pray. And we have seen, we've seen some deaf people heal. We've seen, uh, I don't know, all kinds of miracles happen. There's just miraculous things that happen. And I call things out through the gifts of the Spirit and I say things. You know how that happens? Because my spirit knows this and I pray in tongues. And I may not get anything while I'm praying in tongues last week. But then in this meeting, all of a sudden, I start having things come to me that my spirit has spoken. I have operated in it. And when I need it, God will give me that wisdom. God will show me what I need. I pray in tongues a lot. I pray in tongues all the time. And there's a lot of people that just don't understand how important this is. And this is why the devil, through religion, has fought speaking in tongues so much. People say, speaking in tongues is of the devil. Well, if speaking in tongues is the devil, why can't you go to the bar and hear people speaking in tongues? How come when you go find prostitutes, they aren't speaking in tongues? Man, that is stupid. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 39, I believe it is, forbid not to speak in tongues. It's a command. But religion has come out and said, speaking in tongues passed away with the apostles. 1 Corinthians 13 says, the speaking in tongues will not pass away until that which is perfect has come. And religion has said, well, that which is perfect is the Bible. I believe that the Bible is perfect, but that's not the perfect that it's talking about because in the same verse, it says at that same time, you'll know all things... And you will, um, I forgot the exact wording. What is it? You'll see face to face and you'll know all things. We haven't seen the Lord face to face. We don't know everything up here in our little peanut brain yet. And so until that happens, speaking in tongues is still in effect. As soon as we are translating, get our glorified body, we'll quit speaking in tongues because you'll know all things even as also you're known. But until then, we need to kill, still speak in tongues. And I'm telling you, I'm talking about how to follow God's will. You have everything on the inside of you that you need to follow God's will. We just aren't using it. We love the light of our TV more than we love the light of God's word. And we're watching other stuff. But if you would spend time praying in tongues and, and just getting your mind stayed on the Lord and say, God, give me wisdom. Show me what I'm speaking. Lead me and guide me. You'd find out that supernatural things would start happening. Now let me put one qualification on this. Don't pray in tongues and then the first thought that comes to your mind, well, you know what, I think I need a new wife. And so... <laughs> If it doesn't match up with the Word of God, it's wrong. I am not saying that you just pray in tongues and then the first thought that comes into your brain, you go do it. And if you're immature, and if you aren't really mature, then you know what? You need to have some people around you who are mature, who can judge whether what you're feeling is God or not. And you need to mature in this. And so there's a balance to this. But the principle I'm talking about is true. And if you would start speaking in tongues, man, instead of getting in the car and listening to junk, instead of listening to country and music, Western music about some falling off some bar stool and your dog leaving and losing your truck and everything else, 
Pray in tongues. And ask God to give you an interpretation. You're going to be sitting in the traffic anyway. Why not pray in tongues? And use that time to build yourself up and promote spiritual growth. And ask God to give you wisdom. You know, if you just prayed in tongues the time that you spent on the freeway, your life would change. I can guarantee you. Your life would change spending no more time than just the time that you spend sitting in traffic. It would change your life. Brothers and sisters, there's no excuse for the way that we live. There are reasons, but there's not an excuse. If you were born again, God placed Himself on the inside of you. If you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to draw it out and to flow in this and to speak in tongues. It's powerful. And most of us are losing by default just because we aren't using what we've got. Most of us don't know what we've got. We think speaking in tongues is something you do just to have a goosebump go up and down your spine and let you feel the presence of the Lord. Man, it's much more powerful than that. And there's a lot more than what I've shared tonight. But hopefully this tonight will help you. And these are some of the things that I do on a consistent basis to follow the leading of the Lord. I pray in tongues. I ask God to give me an interpretation and to inspire me. And God puts things in my heart. God's one, it was through praying in tongues that God told me we needed to start making plans for something new to accommodate our students in the growth. I could have just waited until we had 1,200 students and then one day wake up and say, whoops, where are we going to put them? But you know what? If you'll seek God, He'll tell you. The Scripture says, John chapter 16, I believe it's verse 13, that the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. You pray in tongues and He'll show you things to come. The Lord told Jamie before the stock market crashed in January of 2008, we better take our money and put it someplace else. The Lord spoke to her. The Holy Spirit showed her things to come and we avoided the crash that everybody else had. And we invested it in a way that caused a 61% increase instead of a 50% decrease. Amen. Many of you, you can't do that. That's the reason it doesn't work for you. It's because you don't believe it. But you can pray in tongues. The Holy Spirit will lead you. And I tell you what, we have God living on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit is sent to reveal Jesus, to show us things to come, to interpret this, the gift of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and interpretation. Everything that you need to be absolutely successful is already there. It's not that we need to ask God for more, plead with Him, get somebody else to lay hands on us until they rub all the hair off the top of your head. You just need to start using what you already have. And one of the ways you do that is by speaking in tongues and getting an interpretation. Isn't that awesome? Man, that, that's really powerful. And if everything I've said is true, which it is, then why wouldn't you do this? Why wouldn't you do it? What in the world could keep you from speaking in tongues and believing God for an interpretation other than you just are occupied with as the stomach turns on the television? Man, there's just no good reason not to do this. Is there anybody in here that doesn't speak in tongues? You know, if you don't have this gift of speaking in tongues... We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. 
Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.